Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Bears Brothers podcast and postgame show. The place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast, and welcome to our Week 11 game preview as we're all set to break down the upcoming primetime battle between our Bears and the Minnesota Vikings. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and to help me preview this ever-important game, I'm joined by both of my Bears brothers. I have Brandon Hazlett and Nicholas Morano right here with me, and fellas, this week's game is so important. What kind of statement would a win this week make? You know, I'll just start it off here, Brandon. A game on Sunday night against your division rival, it would be huge for the Bears to win because there's been some doubters. Like, I wrote an article about it earlier in the week. There have been doubters about the Bears are 6-3, and three, if they're actually legitimate or not. Proving that you can be a division opponent that was in the NFC Championship game last year on primetime at Soldier Field, that would be huge for the Bears moving forward and just prove that this, ta- this team is for real. Absolutely. B? Yeah, I think it's a, a really big measuring stick, good benchmark to really see. I mean, we've seen throughout the year, you know, the Bears have potential here, potential here, potential here, and we've seen it start to come start piecing together. Uh, but if they can really put together a lot of the things we've seen all together, not just in one giant package in prime time, I think it's really going to be huge. I get more and more excited thinking about this game the closer we get to game time. Like, I'm trying not to get overexcited because I said last night on the audio mailbag, you know, try to keep your expectations tempered. And I struggling to do that today the more I think about this game. I understand that, but over the last, the first three years we've been doing this podcast, that has been our mantra. Keep your expectations low, allow this team to outperform them. I'm at a point where my expectations are getting higher and higher, and I don't think there's a, a reason that I shouldn't have my expectations being raised about this team, and I anticipate a win this week. Um, of course, I know a lot of Bears fans are very high on this team and the potential that it does possess. Um, but nationally, it should do a wonders for the Bears' perspective in terms of the national media. But on top of that, who really cares? Because if they're going to underrate us, that just gives us more fuel. That underdog mentality, just like the Super Bowl team with Brian Ehrlich or Lance Briggs, they loved being the underdogs week in, week out because they love proving the doubters wrong. And I know the same team does too. Um, but guys, you ready to begin this primetime preview? Let's, Let's do, do it. it. All right, let's go ahead and begin this week's preview with the Bears offense. It's coming off a spectacular week where they put up 34 points and over 400 yards of total offense. They're going to have a much tougher task this week against Minnesota. Um, Their defense, they're 11th in points allowed, 5th in total yards allowed. And a great place to start their discussion is going to be on the Bears offense with Mitchell Trubisky as it always circles back to him because he's been on a tear. 
In our current three-game win streak, he's completing 64.6% of his passes for 710 yards, nine yards per pass, a 6-to-1 touchdown-to-interception ratio, and a pass rating of 113.4. And that's just what he's done with his arm. I haven't even mentioned the damage that he's done as a runner. Now, Minnesota, they've held seven, nine opposing quarterbacks to one or no touchdown passes, and they've held three straight quarterbacks to 206 yards per or less. Um, Nick, I'm going to go to you first. What are some of the challenges that you anticipate Minnesota presenting Trubisky this week? You know, I think because that defense has just been together for so long and Mike Zimmer is just a great coach and, you know, defensively, that's just a very hard team to get yardage, get points, especially in the red zone again. So, again, this is going to be a battle between Matt Nagy and Mike Zimmer. Who's going to be the guy or that comes out and is able to scheme those guys open? Coach Nagy has done a great job of this all season long. So the Minnesota Vikings, what they did against Detroit two weeks ago because they had the bye week last week, um, especially with their front seven. They, they did a lot of stunts, and they were able to get to Matthew Stafford, as we know, 10 times. They also put up their corners pretty close in coverage. So that can disrupt the timing of the rhythm of this offense. And Trubisky, obviously, last week against Detroit was really spot on with his passes. But if these corners are able to disrupt the Bears receivers, that's obviously going to throw some things off. So that's what Minnesota will do defensively. They'll also bring a lot of blitzes from those inside linebackers with Kendrick. So it's a... A, a very aggressive defense, one that's going to obviously just do anything they can to make a quarterback uncomfortable. So for the Bears offense, they just got to be ready for everything. Yeah, and speaking of making the quarterback uncomfortable, something that I have noticed was Harrison Smith and his pre-snap movement before the ball. And it's he'll come up to the line of scrimmage looking like he's going to blitz, which he is one of the better blitzers um, of all safeties in the entire NFL. And then as soon as the ball snaps or a couple seconds before it, he'll drop right back into coverage, which will take away the anticipated hot route for the quarterback, which of course makes them look elsewhere. And usually they'll send another blitz on the outside, which will get to the quarterback. So all of this pre-step movement to confuse Trubisky is going to be, of course, right up Mike Zimmer's sleeve, right up the alley, which Minnesota is going to want to do on Sunday night. What about you, B? Is there anything else that you're anticipating uh, being a challenge that Minnesota is going to present itself. I'm I'm expecting there to be a lot of, of pressure sent because and we've seen Trubisky be able to slow himself down, slow the clock down in his head as weeks have progressed. Uh, but this is still a very tough Minnesota defense. So they'll bring pressure and he may still be poised to stand still in the pocket, but he's still got to make the right decision uh, because if he doesn't see a, a DB, like if he sees Harrison Smith, like you're just talking about, show him, show a blitz and then drop back in the coverage and he doesn't expect that or in certain situations he does it more than others and it throws Trubisky off if he doesn't do it, uh, then that's going to kind of throw a loop for for Trubisky in his head as far as his progressions and his reads. So as long as he doesn't get the happy feet, uh, make sure that he knows where his hot route's going, keeps an eye on Harrison Smith because Matt Nagy said, you know, he's kind of like, where's Waldo? Always have to know where he's at. Uh, I think that those are really the, the keys is if he can really keep an eye on Harrison Smith and just stay calm, cool, and collected in the pocket, keep the three Cs. There we go. And I remember last year, um, Trubisky's uh, games against the Vikings, the Harrison Smith matchup was always one that we talked about in 2017 because of the savvy veteran safety versus the rookie quarterback at the time. And there were a few plays where uh, Smith was able to kind of confuse Trubisky, bait him into a few throws. So this is going to be a great uh, sample to show and to uh, prove just how much Trubisky has grown as a quarterback. Looking at Minnesota's defense, they do allow the third fewest passing touchdowns allowed in the year, only 12, and they've only allowed a passer rating combined of all quarterbacks of 90.2 this year. Nick, what are some of your keys to success for Trubisky? 
You know what? Uh, for game planning for this game, I, I obviously looked at the games that they played this season, the Vikings. But then I went back to last year and I looked at the NFC Championship game. I looked at how the Eagles were able to dissect that Minnesota Vikings defense. And a lot of what the Eagles were able to do was re- utilize that RPO and attack the middle of the field, especially on slant routes. But what did the Bears do last week? They utilized the RPO with the running backs. Trubisky was able to exploit that Detroit Lions defense with Allen Robinson on slant routes. I think this is a defense that is vulnerable to that because when you have so many playmakers that just want to come off the edge screaming, just going at the quarterback, a way to kind of stop them, to freeze them a little bit, is utilizing that RPO. So then they're watching instead of reacting. And that just opens out. Move the linebackers as well. If you're faking the run, you do it long enough until that there's a vacated zone right behind that. There you throw that slant route. So I think the Bears have the scheme, have the personnel, and have the offense with Matt Nagy to actually exploit the Minnesota Vikings. But I will say a counter argument to that. Now John D. Filippo, who was on the Eagles last year, is now the offensive coordinator for the Vikings because now they're going to be more prepared for that. But I still think that's a good way to try to exploit this Vikings defense. Absolutely. Make them think, make them have to hesitate just a second. And usually that opens up all the window you need in the NFL to make those passes underneath or even beat a defense over the top. So really great observation there, Nick. What about you, B? Any other keys in your mind? Just continue to be aggressive. If he's got those one-on-one situations downfield, keep trying to hit him. I mean, make the Vikings defense respect you. Even if the pass isn't complete, they have it in the back of their mind that he's not scared to make that, that pass. Uh, as long as he's trying to put it where only his guy can get it, which we've seen really since the bye week can really, really improve on that. I think if he can continue to just be aggressive, put the ball where only his guy's going to get it, I just think that that's really going to make Minnesota respect Trubisky a little bit more, and they're going to have to defend a little bit differently, I think. I'm very excited to see what he can do underneath the national stage because of all the things that have been said over the past couple of weeks about him um, from everybody, it seems left and right. If you're not a Chicago Bears media member or Chicago Bears fan or somewhere in the middle like us on this podcast, um, it seems like you're always trying to throw some shade his way and, you know, he doesn't listen to it. Um, and of course, he's like he pays attention to more of um, his presence in the locker room and how he's perceived from his teammates. Um, but still, you better believe this is a great game where Trubisky, too, wants to find a way to silence those doubters uh, just a little bit more in some other weeks because of being on such a big stage. But looking over at some of his receivers, last week, Allen Robinson, of course, he returned and he made an immediate impact by having his best game as a Chicago Bear. Anthony Miller, he also had himself a day. But the Vikings, they have not allowed an opposing wide receiver to score a touchdown since week four. They've also haven't allowed a wideout to top 81 yards in that same exact time span. So I have a feeling that the Bears are destined to change that, but still, it's going to be a very tough task. Uh, The Vikings have also held tight ends to 42 yards or fewer in their last five games. So very tough task no matter how you want to splice this up um, because the Vikings are very formidable in their coverage. Um, But still, I want to know, and Brandon, I'm going to go to you first. Which of these matchups are you eyeing on that the Bears can potentially exploit and obviously take advantage of? I'm looking at uh, who Trey Waynes is going to line up on. I think it's going to be Taylor Gabriel on this one because uh, we've seen him struggle downfield from time to time, at least in his younger years, his earlier years in the NFL. He struggled with defensive holding uh, PI because he just couldn't keep up with guys. Uh, and this is a matchup I'm looking forward to because, I mean, while Taylor Gabriel was silent last week, I believe he had zero receptions. Uh, I don't know if he had any targets or not, but I know he didn't have a catch. Uh, he's still a very good pawn piece uh, that if, uh, Nagy sees suited like, hey, we can beat this guy one on one over the top as long as you know if he's going to jam you, 
but then you beat them after that, that might be a matchup that we can exploit, especially if there's no help over the top. Uh, so I'm really looking at the speed because that also will fall in line with Tariq Cohen if he's going to do some of these wheel routes behind Trey Waynes. Uh, but I think as far as uh, a matchup in the secondary goes, I'm really looking at Trey Waynes because we know that he's had issues in the past. He's gotten better as he's been here in the NFL because he's a starter now, obviously. Uh, but we know if he goes against a speedy guy that he will struggle with these holding NPIs from time to time. Yeah, good stuff. I have Tariq Cohen circled as well because the Vikings defense, they've allowed seven or more catches for 69 yards or more to five opposing running backs this season so far. So it's been an area where offenses have found a way to exploit the Minnesota Vikings um, in terms of getting their running backs involved in the passing game. And of course, uh, we know here Tariq Cohen is the perfect guy in order to kind of fulfill that role. So he's someone who I'm circling. But uh, what about you, Nick? How does Matt Nagy find a way to get his playmakers involved this week as he often does? You know, I think he just needs to keep doing what he's been doing. And guys have been open consistently all season. And I think a guy, when you have a guy like Anthony Miller, that's going to help that offense, especially he's such a great route runner. And that's a matchup I'm really looking forward to is Anthony Miller. And whether it's Mackenzie Alexander or Mike Hughes, whoever's a, that nickel spot, uh, I, I just like it's not discredit to the Vikings nickelbacks because I don't think they're that bad. It's just Anthony Miller just seeing how he played last game and how he's kind of, you know, put together some good games here. And obviously his uh, breakout game against Detroit last week, he's getting open. He's finding the zones. He's winning those one-on-one matchups. So I really like uh, Anthony Miller in this matchup against the Vikings, even though they have consistently all season shut down opposing, you know, receiver receiving cores. This is a matchup that I really like. And I think Anthony Miller can exploit it. Absolutely. Miller, he's had um, in three of the last five games, at least six targets, I think. And actually he's had, sorry, he's had a score in the last three to five games. And he's had at least six targets in four straight weeks. So he's becoming more and more heavily involved in this offense. And you mentioned Mackenzie Alexander, and I swear, I really hope that that's the guy in coverage because he gives up a passer rating this year of 102.6 when targeted. And just to compare with our nickelback, uh, Bryce Callahan, the pass rating he's allowed this year is 73. So just to kind of compare the two, and on top of that, Alexander has given up 158 yards after the catch, where we know Anthony Miller can make a living. So Anthony Miller, just like you, Nick, is someone where I really anticipate uh, finding a way to make his impact felt in this game, um, especially with the favorable matchup with the slot corners. All right, so looking at the Bears' pass protection, obviously it's been stellar. Only four sacks allowed during our win streak, and only two allowed in the last two weeks combined. Big kudos to the guys up front. Really are the driving force behind a lot of the success from the passing game. Now, a big test this week. The Vikings are tied for the most sacks in the NFL with 31. Now, the good news is Trubisky does have the NFL's best passer rating when under pressure over the last three weeks of 118.4. But still, protection is and always will be key. Now, you know, Donnell Hunter, he is second in the NFL with 11 and a half sacks. Um, and Brandon, I'm going to go to you, Mr. Trenches. What challenges will he himself present this offensive line? He's just, he's versatile. He's quick and he's strong. I mean, he just can beat you in a variety of ways. You don't just get 11 and a half sacks through uh, 10 weeks of the year and not have a variety of moves. So he's, you're going to have to really watch. I think it's going to be up to Charles Leno. I think we'll see. I think we might see him up against Bobby Massey, but anytime he lines up against Charles Leno, that's a matchup that I'm way more comfortable in. Uh, but I think the hand fighting with, with Hunter is going to be a really big thing that Bobby Massey is going to have to. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. 
At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Watch out for Yeah, good call. What about you, Nick? Anything else on Hunter, or are there any other battles up front that you're kind of zoning in on? Yeah, so another just crazy statistic from Hunter is that uh, this comes from NFL Matchup. If you don't follow that Twitter account, definitely go do that because they put out so many great stats. But the, the stat was disrupted dropbacks. So the percent of passing passing downs with a sack, interception, pass batted, or defended, Danielle Hunter is fourth in the league with 3.3%. So 3.3% of snaps, he's doing one of those things, and that's outrageous for a edge rusher right now because that just shows he's disruptive at any moment in time he can have that chance to do any one of those things i just mentioned but the vikings just have a very stout front seven and linval joseph is another guy along there who's going to be in the middle causing havoc i think he returned it was against the eagles earlier this year whether it was a interception return for a touchdown or a fumble and he had a good ways to go the guy had to put on a mask afterwards he's he's a freak he can just stop the run get after the the quarterback is a very good run defender. So that's another guy that the Bears are going to have to be able to block. And they did face a good uh, run stuffer last week in Detroit in uh, blanking on the name right now, but uh, the big guy in the middle for Detroit. Hand? Not hand. Harrison. There you go. So they've had a little bit of experience with it. So that's exactly the same kind of mindset mindset that they had last week. They're going to have to bring it this week because it doesn't get much easier. For me, what I'm looking at in terms of the battles up front, there's a couple, um, but the one big one right in the trenches, um, Sheldon Richardson on Whitsman, because Richardson, he's had 32 pressures on the year combined, and um, that's five more than Akeem Hicks, just for another comparison, if you want to kind of gauge his impact on a week-to-week basis. So for me, um, I think this might be a week we're going to kind of feel that Kyle Long absence just a little bit more than we have so far in the past um, with this matchup between Richardson and Whitsman. But on top of that, I don't know if this is going to come too much in terms of the matchups in the trenches, but I'm really paying attention to how Minnesota sends some extra rushers, in particular with their secondary, because they do a lot of that this year. Uh, Harrison Smith, he has three sacks on the year. That's the second most of all safeties in the league. And Mackenzie Alexander, we just kind of knocked on him a little bit with his coverage skills, Um, but he's right there with Bryce Callahan as the best blissing corner in the entire NFL. He has three sacks so far this year, too, and six total pressures. So if you want to look at that impact, just kind of envision what kind of impact Bryce Callahan brings on a week-to-week basis, and Mackenzie Alexander's kind of in the same boat. Uh, Brandon, how about you? Any final thoughts about these uh, this battle in the trenches? Not in the trenches. I'm glad that you brought up the, the safety thing because that was definitely something I was going to bring up. You brought up Harrison Smith, Mackenzie Alexander, and then between – well, I guess it doesn't matter where they rank because they all have three sacks. But Stephen Weatherly is another guy that they like to send, uh, and he doesn't play on the defensive line because then after those guys, it's Tom Johnson and Everson Griffin, both with two and a half sacks. So uh, outside of Hunter on the line, there's not – I mean, there's pressure there, but they don't finish the job and get to the quarterback – it's a lot of guys that they send from other positions, the safeties, the corners of that nature that I think we're going to have to watch out for. And that's going to be really up to Jordan Howard. And if they decide to keep Tariq Cohen back there uh, as a blocking running back, which would be kind of interesting facing a secondary player with a running start. Uh, I think that, you know, it's really going to be up to those guys uh, to really help in the, in the effort. I don't know how much we see them go out on these, these uh, runs, these routes to the flat or over the top or whatever. 
Yeah, that's a very interesting point to make. Luckily, I know teams have been able to beat the Vikings in those regards as well. If you can get that outlet pass out quick enough, um, of course, it all kind of matters on timing. But yeah, really good point there, Brandon. Let's go ahead and sneak in a quick convo on the Bears running game. Jordan Howard, he's averaging 3.4 yards per carry. He's only reached 80 yards twice this year. The Vikings, they have only allowed one back to rush for more than 63 yards on them. And that was Todd Gurley. He had 83. The Vikings also have forced backs into 10 fumbles this year. That's best in the NFL. Vikings 3.6 yards allowed per rush is tied with, well, us for best in the league. However, uh, since Kyle Long's injury, uh, the trio of Jordan Howard, Dreek Cohen, and Mitchell Trubisky have averaged just 112 yards on 49 rushes. So obviously tough, tough, tough sledding on the ground this week. Uh, Nick, what are your expectations for the Bears rushing tack and probably more in particular Jordan Howard? Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I know a couple of times we've counted the Bears out in games and they've done better than expected. And just mm-hmm. look at 2016 when they played the Minnesota Vikings and they had statistically, you know, one of the better defenses and the Bears were able to rush all over them with Jordan Howard. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I think Eric Kendricks is one of the better inside linebackers in this league and he, you, you just don't get past him really. So with no, like you said, no Kyle Long in this one, you might feel that impact and he's just a flowing linebacker. Wherever that play is actually going, you know Kendricks is going to be there. And with the running game having, you know, still not getting going up to this point in the season, I don't know if it starts against the Minnesota Vikings, but the Bears always, they always find a way somehow to get some some extra yards that they shouldn't, especially against these Vikings. So I wouldn't be surprised to see it, but I don't expect it. I think that's a very, you know, fair expectation heading to this game. Because like you said, not just in the past, I think this year too, in games that we feel like the Bears shouldn't run the ball, they do. And then in games in which, like, oh, they should, like last week against the Lions, it was giving up over 140 yards per game on the ground. The Bears should have no problem. And then Jordan Howard ends up averaging, like, two yards per carry, and we have rushed for, like, 50 yards as a team. It's it's just the kind of the hand we're dealt. It's like a wild card each and every week if the Bears are going to be able to establish a run or not. More times than not, it's going to be the latter. But, Brandon, uh, do you have any expectations or anticipations for the Bears ground game? Uh, No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just simply put no, because it's it's hard when Nagy, and I like that he comes out of the gate aggressive, throwing these passes downfield, wants to score, put the pressure on early opponents, which is great. Uh, but then once we see them uh, later in games where they need to be able to run the ball in uh, third and short or whatever in goal situations, get the ball in the end zone, they almost can't do it because it hasn't been established in the game. So I think... Uh, the expectation for the game is going to be set early. If Jordan Howard can't break a big one early or Tariq Cohen can't break a big run early, then we're going to see some uh, lackluster running performances again. Uh, so do I have any expectations? No, uh, but it'll be set in the first two or three possessions that the Bears have. Yep. All right. Is there anything else? Uh, let's go to back to Brandon. Anything else that we haven't mentioned that you uh, perhaps want to bring up? Uh, is this where I just have anything else in my notes? That is, if you have anything else in your notes. <laughs> yeah, I do, because I have underlined here, uh, find out a way to plug in Mitch Don't Kill My Vibe, because I couldn't do it anywhere else, so I guess i got to do it here. Mitch Don't Kill My Vibe. All right. <laughs> what about you, Nick? Uh, I think the red zone and how the, the Bears approach this is going to be crucial in this matchup, because if the Bears aren't able to punch it in, you're relying on the guy that they just had a helicopter go watch practice at yesterday, Cody Parkey, to kick field goals for you. So... I don't know. Uh, I, I think the Bears just need to be, you know, very methodical in how they approach this. Every single possession obviously counts, but especially in the red zone, especially when you have a struggling kicker, you don't want to have to rely on him to get your points. 
just because we've seen what, what what happened last week. Four straight kicks to the upright. Now what you want. So I think that red zone efficiency is going to be a key in this one. No, it is. And I mean, it is each and every week. And uh, quickly just looking at where we stand in terms of red zone efficiency, I'm scrolling down the list to try to find us, which is always scary to have to scroll down the list. But um, for the year, we are at 65% um, scoring touchdowns in the red zone, which is 12th in the NFL. Obviously, it's it's better than we were last year. And at some points this year, we were better. Uh, The good news is we do score 82% of the time at home. Um, so that's a much better number if you're looking at that kind of battle. And the Vikings defense is the second best red zone unit in the entire NFL, uh, limiting teams of uh, either settling for field goals or just going for and out. And they're like, I think when teams are at first and goal, they hold them out of the end zone in half of those drives, which is incredible. Um, but looking at my notes real quick, I just want to mention the importance of winning at early downs. Uh, the Vikings uh, that are average to go on uh, third down is 8.6 is what they're forcing opponents into, which is, of course, uh, like I said with the running game, very tough sledding. Um, so the Bears winning on first down, winning on second down, set themselves up for some easier conversions is going to be a big key. Not to say that they can't convert third and long. We saw a few of those last week with Mitchell Trubisky. But, of course, um, anytime you can put yourself in a favorable position on third down is going to go a long way towards winning you a ball game. And on top of third down, the Vikings do have the second best third down defense in the fourth quarter and overtime combined, only allowing opponents to convert on third downs, either in the fourth quarter or overtime on 18%, which is incredible and a little bit scary at the same time. Uh, so the Bears, uh, an offense that seems to kind of simmer down as the game goes on, uh, the fourth quarter is going to be key, in, especially if this is going to be a very tough and close game. If they can beat this Vikings defense on third down, uh, then, of course, we should be in much better shape. It just seems like it's going to be a very tall task at that. Um, all right, guys, I want to know who is going to be your X factor this week for the Bears offense. Brandon, over to you. I have Taylor Gabriel because I think if he can take the top off the defense, and even if you know Mitch and Tabor, uh, Gabriel don't connect, uh, I think that's going to put a lot of respect uh, that Minnesota's going to have to put towards Taylor Gabriel, and it's going to allow things to open up underneath. Uh, even in the intermediate passing game, I think it'll help take away Harrison Smith some because he can't afford to come up and show a blitz and then run all the way back and play center field. Uh, so I think uh, how Taylor Gabriel gets used in this one is going to be a very big determinant on the schemes that get uh, used by Matt Nagy in this one. All right. What about you, Nick? You know, like you, Brandon, I also have a receiver, but I'm going to go with Allen Robinson in this one. I think that if he's able to win those one-on-one matchups, whether it's with Trey Trey Waynes, whoever's on him, that's going to be a big for this offense moving forward. Trubisky likes to go to Robinson. He had a breakout game last week, and he, he looked good off the injury. So keep feeding him, man. I think this is a time where you need your big-time playmakers to really step up. And against a division, another division opponent, Allen Robinson's going to be my X factor in this one. All right, I'm going to go with that hybrid guy. I'm going to go with Tariq Cohen. I have a hard time seeing the Bears win this game if somehow Tariq Cohen is bottled up. Um, So even though the Bears should and will probably have a hard time establishing the run, if they can utilize Tariq Cohen as some quick passes either in screen game um, or quickly instead of flat and some outlet passes, um, that would be a great way of extending a little bit of an extension of the run. So for me, Tariq Cohen is going to be the X factor because in many ways, I anticipate him being the extension in a run game. And, of course, if he has a linebacker, I was watching some uh, video on the Vikings website, and he said they don't have anyone who has the speed of a Tariq Cohen. Um, so if that's the case on defense, find a way to get him the ball in open space and just have him run right through, run right by everybody. So for me, Tariq Cohen is going to be my X factor. Like I said, if he has a hard time getting going, 
I have a hard feeling that the rest of the Bears defense is going to find it offense is going to find it very difficult to get this ball moving as well. So for me, Tariq Cohen is going to be my X factor, which means it's time to find out who has the edge. And Nick, you're going to be up first this week. I'm giving you the Bears passing attack versus that Viking secondary. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, you know what? The Bears passing attack has been on point. And especially last week, they they looked really good. And Taylor Gabriel really wasn't a uh, you know a part of that. Yes, he he got the ball thrown a couple of times his way, but no reception. So I think if you're able to account for him, and you know have Anthony Miller, Allen Robinson, Trey Burton also gets a factor that as good as these secondary players are for the Vikings, I'm gonna have to give it to the Bears. All right, I like that. I like the confidence. I'm up next. I have the Bears ground game versus the Vikings run defense. Uh, the Vikings run defense, only allowing 89 yards per game, 3.6 yards per carry. Uh, Trubisky does add some extra value as well, um, but I don't know if I trust the Bears to actually stick with it. Uh, so for that reason, and with the Vikings being a very stout run defense, I'm going to give the slight edge here uh, to the Vikings, so no broom for you, Brandon, right now. Um, so <laughs> the Vikings are going to have the edge here in terms of their run defense versus our ground attack. But, Brandon, over to you. Um, we can perhaps take two for three here. Uh, you have the Bears pass protection versus another tough matchup, that Vikings pass rush. I think just this offensive matchup for the Bears is going to be really, really tight. I think it's going to come down to a lot of scheme things. Uh, but I really absolutely respect the Vikings pass rush, especially Hunter with those 11.5 sacks. Uh, we've seen that they'll send pressure from other places. And prior to the three weeks that Will mentioned earlier, uh, we've seen Mitch kind of get some happy feet in the pocket and he bounces around some. And as long as he can keep calm, cool, and collected, keep his eyes downfield, uh, as long as he's done his homework, really knows who's going to come in what situation, uh, things of that nature, really focus on the details, uh, then I think he'll be okay. Uh, but mano y mano, uh, the Bears' offensive line is going to take this one against the Vikings' pass rush, despite them sending guys from uh, other directions, corners, safeties, things of that nature. I think that Matt Nagy finds a way uh, to be able to block those extra guys just long enough for Mitch to be able to do his job. And outside of Hunter, I mean, these other guys are pretty balanced as far as how well they, they get sacks and get their pressures, uh, but they just struggle to really finish the job in getting those sacks outside of Hunter. So I have to give it to the Bears' offensive line in this one. All right, I'll take that. No doubt about it. All right, so up next, we're going to flip the script and talk about the Bears' defense uh, going up against that very explosive Minnesota offense. But first, uh, we're going to take a quick halftime break, and I have to tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Football is back, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's something quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. As you know, all the Bears brothers had the SeatGeek apps on our phones, our devices by far. The easiest way that we've been able to search for tickets. We can be anywhere, uh, instantly pull out our phones within a few taps, instantly find some seats, anything we're looking for. Concerts, comedy, theater, all the above, and of course, uh, sports. And SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. And it doesn't just end with sports. Like I mentioned, SeatGeek has plenty of tickets, like concerts, comedy, theater. And by searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on the value, SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Now, before the show, I got a push notification from the SeatGeek app. And it told me that the prices for this week's game against the Vikings somehow, some way, have dropped 16% this week. I don't get it. I don't make it up. I'm telling you what my phone told me. Um, so obviously some people want to sell their tickets. They want to get rid of them. And I want you to take those up because Matt Nagy said that he wants a very loud atmosphere and you can be a very big part of that. So definitely check it out if you can, because I would love for you to show up to this game. 
And if you're looking into it, the best part about all of this is our listeners do get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code BEARS today. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. So make sure to head over to that game if you can. All right, you're listening to the Bears Brothers Podcast, and we are breaking down this Bears Week 11 matchup against the Minnesota Vikings. And it's time to begin our preview on the Bears defense, a unit that is fourth in yards and points allowed. And they're going up against a very dangerous Minnesota offense that does, though, have some weaknesses to exploit. So let's go ahead and just get right down to it. And I want to begin this conversation with the Bears secondary. I don't think we really ever start the conversation with this group, um, but I think it's well-deserved. We've been seeing some strong play from everyone in that unit, from Kyle Fuller to Principal Kamara and Bryce Callahan. And don't forget about that strong safety duo as well. Eddie Jackson, he's been on a tear over the last few weeks. Now, they're going to be tested this week, especially by Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. And Thielen, he has uh, scored a uh, touchdown in six straight games, and he's had over 100 yards in all but one this year. Diggs, on the other hand, he has three games of 100-plus this year, and he's healthy and ready to make his impact felt. Uh, Nick, I'm going to go to you. What challenges will Thielen and Diggs present this secondary, and do you think that our guys are up to the task? Uh, To answer your first part of your question, they are guys that are just really great route runners, probably the best in the league. If, uh, you know, as a, as a duo, you can't get much better than that. They create separation, are able to win those one-on-one matchups consistently. And that's why Kirk cousin has a lot of success when thrown to those two guys. But to answer your second part, are the bears players up to the task? Absolutely. When you have a secondary that's playing as good as they are, and just overall at defense, I, you know, regardless of the offense coming into soldier field or going into the matchup against the bears, I like the, the matchup itself. The thing is, the Vikings love, they absolutely love throwing it five, yard, five yards or less. They are actually the first in the league with 221 uh, completions and 5.4 yards of yak per completion on five yards or less. So they do it more than any team in the NFL, and that's why they're able to get this high completion percentage, able to get it to the playmakers consistently. So the Bears, I think, are going to have to take a little bit of a different approach. We know they like to kind of play a little soft on the back end, I think you need to bring these guys a little, little bit forward. Press, press those opposing receivers because if you're already giving them five yards cushion. That's where they like to, you know, win those one-on-one matchups. So I think the Bears are up to the task, and they just got to switch their scheme just a little bit to be able to combat this these Vikings receivers. Really great insight there. I also have noted about um, them leading the NFL and throws a five yards or less, which is obviously you want to find a way to limit those shorter throws because if you can do that and. I- They've been averaging, like you said, almost uh, five and a half yards of yak afterwards. So wrapping them up, if you do allow those easier completions underneath, wrapping up these receivers is definitely going to be a very vital key in this matchup. But uh, what about you, B? Are there any other maybe uh, specific battles that you are going to be paying attention to through the air? I'm just going to be real interested to see who Kirk Cousins decides to pick on, what their scheme is, if they're going to pick Prince of Mukamara or if they're going to pick Kyle Fuller. Because uh, I think these are two very good matchups with both Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen on the outside, so I don't know which one he's going to favor more. I think Adam Thielen's a little bit more reliable, uh, as we've seen with the 100-yard receiving games and all of them but one. Uh, so I'll be real interested to see who lines up on who in this one because they're two very good matchups, and I think as long as, like Nick said, they, they press up, uh, the line don't don't allow him to play soft. Uh, I think it's just going to be a very interesting matchup, and I don't know which one Kirk is actually going to decide to pick on in this one. This is interesting because throughout the week, whenever you're looking into this, everyone's talking about Kyle Fuller versus Adam Thielen, and I get it. You know, two bigger names makes no sense because Thielen lines up in the slot more times than not. 
Nick's agreeing. He probably had that in his notes too because I'm looking at Bryce Callahan here because uh, Thielen has the second most production in the slot in the entire NFL. 534 yards when lining up in the slot, and 200 of which come after the catch. So big day in store for Bryce Callahan because if he can lock down Thielen, then the Bears' defense, everything else should come into place. But if Callahan struggles, then I anticipate the rest of the Bears' defense struggling as well. But the good news is I don't anticipate number 37 struggling this Sunday. He's been playing phenomenally all year. Now, I'm not going to say he's going to shut him out. He's going to allow some catches, and Thielen's going to make some plays. It's a given. It's going to happen. But I believe that this is a matchup that the Bears should be able to find a way to mitigate the damage that Thielen's going to present this defense. Uh, what about you, Nick? Is there anything else, um, any other matchups you want to kind of shed some light on? So I think what the Bears, it's not even a matchup, but I think for the Bears to have success, and it's going to be difficult because we just elaborated on Thielen and Diggs being some of the better receivers in this league. But if you can make Laquan Treadwell be the guy that beats you, that's probably the best case scenario because look, Laquan Treadwell uh, has been inconsistent for the Vikings. He's a guy that's had some bad drops in his career. His former first round pick. That's a guy. If you know, if he's getting the yardage, that means you're doing your job because those other guys are not getting, you know, making these big plays, converting the chains, getting this yak that they're both really good at. So Laquan Treadwell, try to make him the guy that beats you easier said than done, obviously, but that's going to be a, key for the Bears defense to have success and also just to elaborate on the Vikings quick passing game they also have yards from empty formation so five wide receivers nobody in the backfield 7.9 yards per play which is one of the higher marks in the NFL right now so they like to get the ball out quick and we've seen what happens when posing offenses go against this Bears defense get the ball out quick it's kind of like a recipe for success for being the Bears so I want to see how Vic Fangio can scheme against that to combat these these quicker throws, these shorter routes, because that has been something that's uh, hurt him in the past. Exactly. That's exactly the point, too, because we saw it against the Patriots. We saw it against the Dolphins. We saw it in some second halves of some of these games earlier in the season as well. So how Vic Fangio uh, presents himself in terms of the scheme is going to play a large factor in this one because if he sits back and uh, lets the Vikings to carve them up underneath and move into the red zone, then we're going to be in for a long Sunday night. Um, but if he finds a way to stiffen it up, um, I know the Bears pass rush should be in full force, which should help. But still, you want to try to find a way to limit some of these underneath throws to these receivers, because if you allow that to happen, then I think everything else would just kind of build upon that. Um, for me as well, looking at uh, Kyle Rudolph, I, I, even though he hasn't been super impactful uh, since week three, he's only scored once. And he's only in his previous five games, um, his previous high in those games of terms of yardage is only 41, um, but he's still a great weapon to have. So I want to sleep on him. Um, I, I, this is a big matchup for the Bears linebackers there. And of course, Diggs, you talk about it. I think he's going to be primarily aligned with the Mukamara. Um, so how those two um, can kind of battle on the outside. If Mukamara can do what he has all season, remain sticky, stay to his man, uh, limit plays after the catch. Uh, those are all things I'm paying attention to. But like you said, Nick, it all starts. The Bears can take away some of these underneath throws. That's going to be, perhaps the most critical element of the entire battle through the air for the Bears. All right, so on top of success, I think a lot of it circles back uh, to Kirk Cousins. And this is going to be the first time the Bears have faced him in a Vikings uniform. We saw him in 2015 and 2016. And in those games, he averaged 285 yards, one touchdown, and 104 pass rating. It's actually impeccable. He had 104 pass rating in both of the games against the Bears with Vic Fangio as, of course, the D.C. Now, he's been held under to 241 Yards or less in three of his last four games. 
Um, he hasn't thrown for more than two touchdowns in the game since week four, but still some very, he's a very good quarterback that we must find a way to take care of. Uh, Brandon, over to you. What are some of those keys to limiting cousins and ensuring that he doesn't light us up? Oddly enough, it's having him keep the ball on his hands. Cause in the three losses, he throws the ball more, uh, than compared to in the wins. Uh, I think in the wins he throws, I think he's only thrown for 40 times in the game, had 40 attempts once. And in all the losses that they've had, he's thrown for more than 40 every time. Uh, so honestly, I think it's just keeping the ball in his hand and sending the pressure. Obviously, Clemac will be there to do that job. I expect a big showing from the big three as far as the pass rushers go, the outside linebackers, uh, keeping him under pressure and keeping him under duress, allowing the pocket to collapse quickly and forcing him to make those quick throws, even if they're not there. Uh, so I honestly, I think it's just keeping the ball in his hand is going to be a, a big key in this one. I think so too, but I have a slightly different reason. And for my reason is I want to see the Vikings kind of hold on to the ball. Cousins hold on to the ball um, in order. If we take away those shorter throws underneath uh, for him to wait for those longer developing routes over the top to develop, because if, the, if he has to wait on those, that should bode very well for us with our pass rush barreling down on him. I think that would allow us ample time for that pass rush to hit home and cousins. He has lost six fumbles and has the most of any quarterback in the entire NFL. So you give him time in the pocket. You limit everything underneath. You have you force him to sit in that pocket. He's someone who really can't beat you with his feet. Now he could. It's rare when it happens. He's not. He's not really a true runner. Um, but if you can keep him in the pocket, get after him. Uh, usually, good things happen for the defense. So those are going to be my keys as well. Um, what about you, Nick? You know, I think with Kirk Cousins, he's always due for one of those plays. One of those mm-hmm. plays that he wished he didn't throw. Uh, a fumble that he wished he he held on, or you know, a ball that he held on to. He's always due for one of those at you know in these big kind of games, the Sunday night against your division rival. And Will, you said it best, I think. If he's able to hang on to that ball a little bit longer, that's gonna you know increase the opportunity for him to maybe overthink something, uh, try to force a ball, hang on to you know Cleo Mack coming off the edge, just making a strip sack. That can happen with Kirk Cousins, as good as a quarterback as he is, and I think he's. I think he's really good. He has a very high completion percentage, is able to win on first down. He's actually eighth best in the league with 104 passer rating uh, on first down. So he is a good quarterback, but he does have that tendency at time to just throw a ball. You're, and you're just questioning, like, what were you seeing? Did you not see the three defenders that were keying in on that interception? So I think you're right. If he's able to hold the ball a little bit longer than he's used to, that's going to go well for this Bears defense just with that pass rush that has been getting better and just had six sacks last week. Exactly. And even though we're talking about all these quicker passes underneath, he's very lethal when he does attempt to throw a deep. He has 10 touchdowns to zero interceptions on balls that have traveled 20-plus yards or more through the year. And also the second-best passer rating on those deep passes this season. So obviously, even though he can carve you up underneath, Whenever he does attempt to go deep, um, he's been finding a lot of success this year, which goes back to uh, you know Diggs and Thielen as well. But uh, for the Bears' safeties, this is going to be a great test to make sure they don't get beat over the top. We're going to need some safety help um, behind some of these corners because as much as we have faith in a Kyle Fuller and a Prince of Mukamara, um, they're going to need a little bit of help over the top of some Diggs and Thielen as well. Well, you got to think, too, that that's somewhat of a scheme thing if he's going to dink and dunk underneath, 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 and then hit the home run play, which not allowing the, the big home run plays in this one is just going to be big as well. I think that's a big part of why he's had the success downfield because teams just expect him to throw within five yards so often. Very great point as well, B. Now, we already kind of mentioned this, and of course we know that we must put some pressure on Cousins this week, and the Bears should be poised to do just that. 
Uh, it was mentioned on the Meet the Opponent episode, but the Vikings do have the second-worst pass-blocking unit, according to PFF. They've allowed Cousins to be sacked 24 times, and they've allowed over 150 pressures on the season. That's 16 per game if you want to do the average there. Now, the Bears' defense just notched six sacks last week. Things are looking up. This seems like one of those areas where the Bears can really exploit um, this Minnesota Vikings offense. And when we're looking at this week's war in the trenches, Brandon, what are some of those weaknesses that the Bears should be able to find a way to, uh, you know, impose their will on the Vikings' offensive line? I really think it's just going to be the depth and how well they can attack the the offensive tackles that Minnesota has because if they keep sending Aaron Lynch, Leonard Floyd, Cleo Mack time and time and time and time again, they're going to get worn down a lot quicker than the Bears are because we're rotating guys in and out and the tackles are just going to have to stay in there and hang with it. Uh, and as long as they can uh, take away the run game, it's also going to play a big part in that. So I think that it's just the Bears' talent is going to be deeper uh, in a consistent rotation rather than what the, what the Vikings have on their edge, and I think that plays a, a very big part in it. What about you, Nick? Uh, the matchup that I like in the trenches, uh, Mike Remmers, their right guard versus Akeem Hicks. That's one that yeah. I'm going to be looking at uh, to where Remmers, he's given up a, you know, a good amount of pressures throughout this season. And we know Akeem Hicks and the player that he is, he can exploit that matchup. But it's it's kind of hard to figure out this Vikings offensive line because they've had so many guys in and out. You just don't even know who's starting at times. I'm looking through this like depth chart watching film like, wait, that that guy wasn't in there last week. Now he's in there. So it's like a, you know, just a revolving door of offensive linemen going in there. And they do have Tom Compton as well, former Chicago Bear on there. So who knows if you might see him uh, in the game as well. But yeah, I think Mike Remmers and Akeem Hicks, that'll be a good matchup to look for. And if Akeem Hicks can win that one, interior pressure, Kirk Cousins, he can move a little bit, but he's not the most athletic guy. He's not like a Mitch Trubisky or anything. So I like that matchup a lot. I, <clears throat> I actually give the Bears probably the edge no matter which way you want to slice these battles. You're looking at uh, their left guard, whether it be the Isadora or Tom Compton if he returns, but I like Nichols. I like John Bullard. I like Roy Robinson-Harris over both those guards. Uh, Goldman over their center. Hicks, like you said, over Remmers, and Mac uh, Floyd Lynch over their tackles, Riley Reef and Brian O'Neill. I mean, no matter which way you really want to slice this one up, the Bears should have an advantage up front, which, of course, should really... Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Hold well for the Bears' pass rush and, of course, their run def- defense as well because if you're looking at all the talent, who are they going to stop? And if you want to choose Mac, then someone else should be able to hit home. And if they want to try to take out that guy, then, of course, Mac's going to be wide open. And if they try to take away... Uh, the tackles, I mean, the, well, yeah, the outside linebackers, the pressure coming off the tackles, then the interior pressure should be able to find a way to make some impact. So no matter what you do, it's going to be pick your poison. I'm assuming they're going to try to limit the, you know, the outside linebackers, the Lynch, the Mack, the Floyd. And so big day ahead for Eddie Goldman, Akeem Hicks, Bilal Nichols, John Bullard, Roy Robertson, Harris, if they can really step up and provide that interior pass rush and interior run defense like we've seen all year, then the Bears defense should be able to fall in place like we have all season long. Now, taking a look at Minnesota's rushing attack, they do rank very, very low, 29th in the NFL. But they did not have Dalvin Cook for five games. 
Now, surely that affected things, and I know it affected one of my fantasy teams. So I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> uh, the Bears are a very strong run defense. We know that, shutting down running backs for the majority of the season. Dalvin Cook had 89 yards in his return a couple weeks back, and he should be fully healthy this week. And their other back, Latavius Murray, he's been dangerous over the last four games. He scored five times in those last four games just from him. So obviously the Bears have done a great job at containing backs all season, um, but this week does like the rest of this game present a very good challenge for this Bears team. Uh, Nick, what are your expectations? Will the Bears be able to shut down the Vikings ground game? Yes, no, and if so, if so, why? Either way. Yeah, this is going to be a tough one because those running backs that you just mentioned, Murray and Cook, they're good. They're good running backs, and Murray's just not a – obviously being a bigger back, he's got some elusiveness. You go back to the Detroit Lions game two weeks ago on the goal line, he puts a nice spin move, gets into the end zone, fumbles – the, the Vikings are fortunate enough to get it, but elusive Dalvin cook. He's a guy that you can split out wide, throw a, you know, a screen pass, able to run, you know, good routes. So versatility is a big thing with those, you know, uh, Minnesota Vikings running backs. And that does create problems, but the bears have great inside linebackers. They really do. They're a special group. So I, I really don't know how this one's going to play out. It's, it's going to be a pretty even matchup for me in terms of how the Bears are able to stop them or if the Vikings running backs are able to maybe exploit them at times. You could definitely see it go back and forth, but you're just, you're just hoping that the Bears make more good plays than bad because that's what this matchup could end up looking like. What about you, B? Anything else? I'm a little more uh, towards the Bears on this one because, I mean, yeah, they were without Dalvin Cook, but they're still a bottom-tier uh, rushing team, even when Dalvin Cook was there previous to the games of him being out. Uh, and I think that just comes down to the offensive line uh, that we talked about earlier, just having guys in that we weren't expecting being in or went down the depth chart and now they're on the depth chart and now they're starting, now they're not. It's just that revolving door. It's really hard to get a rhythm going on the offensive line to get a push. Uh, so I think that Eddie Goldman, Akeem Hicks, uh, Ray Robinson, Harris, John Bullard, those guys are really going to be able to uh, lock up some of these gaps and allow the linebackers to come in and make a play. And then as long as Cleo Mack and Leonard Floyd keep doing what they're doing, setting the edge, I just as long as they wrap up, I don't really see much of an issue in this matchup. I think that the Bears' uh, run defense is really, I don't want to say it's going to be easy, uh, because like Nick said, Latavius Murray and Dalvin Cook are still really good running backs. You have to be able to respect that. But as long as they can uh, win the point of attack on these uh, on these rushes, I think that the Bears' defense can can take this one. Yeah, if the Bears do what we know they can, they should be able to win this matchup. They are a very good run defense. Um, it all starts up front. It all starts right in the middle of the field. But um, if they end up not, you know, forgetting to tackle like they did against Miami, then we can be in for a very long day, especially with Alvin Cook kind of running rampant. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a very close battle, regardless. Any, uh, however you want to look at this. Uh, what about you, Nick? Anything else in your notes on the Bears? Of course, defense, Vikings offense that you want to mention. You know, I know that I mentioned that the Vikings love utilizing the short passing game, but, you know, just watching the film, they also like to use a lot of play action just to get those linebackers out of position a little bit. So that's also another thing that uh, these linebackers have to worry about, especially if the Vikings have the running game going. Then you put in the play action, the most likely they're going to be playing up. That's going to get them out of position. You hit Thielen, you hit Diggs right over the middle. So it's a tough matchup. This is going to be a very competitive game throughout the entirety of the game. So um, that's just another thing this defense obviously is aware of, but they just need to be ready for, like I said, they need to be ready for everything the Vikings are going to bring defensively and also offensively because they do so much. John Filippo, I think, has you know, got this unit playing some good football, and they're still, I don't even think, close to being where they want to be, but they're they're hitting their peak at the right time. That's why they've been able to win, you know, past these 
past couple of games. So it's going to be a good matchup. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, that goes back to our previous point of the importance of stopping the run because if they don't, and then Minnesota does want to run play action, that's going to suck up the inside linebackers, which creates a huge window in the middle of the field that you really can't ask your safeties to cover because they're going to be protecting the deep parts of the field, make sure they are the last line of defense and not getting beaten over the top. So that would just make life so much easier for Minnesota. Uh, so for the Bears, shutting down the run, remaining disciplined on these play actions, in particular those inside linebackers, would be a big key in making sure you don't make things too easy for this Vikings offense. Uh, what about you, B? Anything else in your notes? Win the turnover battle and gang tackling as well because that helps not create the yak, but winning the turnover battle I think is going to be huge. It's going to come down to how defiant I think the Bears are going to be able to take this game early. If they can force a turnover early and get that momentum, then things are really going to go their way on Sunday night. Uh, but if they struggle, uh, they're still able to, to tackle early, but they can't quite force that interception or force that fumble. I think it's going to be in for a much closer matchup. Uh, so I think winning the turnover battle is really going to help uh, defy how well the Bears play and, and win in this one. Well, I have a fun set to share about the turnover battle. The Bears have 13 takeaways on third down. That is the most in the NFL. 13 of the Bears' takeaways have come on third down. Uh, so obviously a big money down regardless, but the Bears have been very opportunistic when it comes to third down. So uh, watch for that come Sunday. Um, lastly, in my notes, I, lo- I love to look at the red zone. And the Vikings, they do move the ball very well, but they do struggle once they reach that red area of the field. Uh, they're in the bottom half of the league in efficiency. and uh, But this has been the weakness of the Bears' defense. They do rank now 25th in the NFL in the red zone. Uh, They allow opponents to score touchdowns on 68% of their red zone trips. Now, the good news is the Bears defense do give up the least amount of red zone trips, but once they get down there, they've been very uh, flexible, allowing teams willingly, and the Bears do make it difficult. We know this. We watch the games. Teams just don't walk down there and score. The Bears do provide resistance, but more times than not, they are allowing the teams to find a way into the end zone, not settling in for field goals, which... Again, the Bears have been leading later in games. The teams have been kind of pushing the envelope a little bit more in the red zone, but still, 25th is a, I'm sure it's a number that's leaving a sore taste, a sore taste, well, maybe a sore taste, but a sour taste in their mouth because I know it has mine as well. I'll add one more thing, Will. Uh, QB's in the red zone. Kirk Cousins actually has the fifth best passer rating. Like 104, right? 110. 110 passer rating in the red zone. So I know the Bears have at times struggled, and it's been because they've been leading and like you just said, but that's definitely something the Bears hat are going to know. Kirk Cousins, he makes he makes the right decisions, uh, you know, in the most important part of the field. Again, at least the Bears, they only allow two red zone trips per game, which is a great number, and it's right on par with the Jaguars did last year with their defense. We're still right on par with that. Uh, just to put that in perspective, but still, when you get down there, finding a way to, uh, again, the Bears are doing a lot of, you know, in the past, there's been a lot of bend, don't break, and this year has been a lot of not breaking, but when we do bend, we bend all the way. We need to find a way to, if we do allow some of these red zone trips, to just hold down for it, you know, get stingy, and find a way to take some of these lanes away because it's just been working a little bit too easily for these offenses. Um, but, Nick, I'm going to go right back to you. Who's going to be your defensive X factor? You know, I was thinking, uh, you know, long and hard about this. One. I think it's going to have to be Roquan Smith. It's for him not to just have a good game. But it's him to be exceptional in this one because, look, we talked about the play action. We talked about the running game. He can't get out of position in you know a lot of these parts. It's because Roquan Smith he's gonna be he's gonna have to play up in the run. 
be in the zone when they're throwing the, to the receivers on the back end. So a lot of this is dictated towards that middle of the field where Roquan Smith, obviously Danny Trevathan as well, are going to be playing a majority of their time. So I think if Roquan Smith has a great game, the Bears are in a good position to win this one. So Roquan Smith has to be my X Factor. Okay. Well, thanks for taking mine, Nick. That's fine. <laughs> I'm and, glad and, you asked me first. Well, exactly. I know I'm courteous that way, but I will admit that your reasoning was right on par with mine. And I agree 100%. That's exactly why he's going to be the X factor this week on defense, but going over by second, because Brandon only have two, so I'm not taking a chance today. Uh, <laughs> Bryce Callahan is going to be my second one because of that big matchup with Adam Thielen in the slot, because if Callahan struggles and Thielen goes off, then we're going to be in for a long day defensively. But if Callahan can hold his own, take away Thielen, and then force the Vikings to look elsewhere, uh, like Nick, like you mentioned, maybe it's Treadwell. And if you force that to be the guy, then the Bears should be in good shape. So for me, I'm looking at the battle um, between Thielen and Bryce Callahan as kind of the X factor that can make or break this Bears defense. What about you, B? I'm going to stick with my option A since it didn't get taken. Uh, I'm going to say Eddie Goldman because, uh, like I said earlier, in the Vikings' losses, Kirk Cousins throws the ball more times than not, so that means shutting down the running game. Uh, and I mean, you know, you have to respect Dalvin Cook and Murray. Uh, they are very good running backs, but as long as the offensive line for the Vikings cannot get a push and Eddie Goldman is able to hold his own in the middle of the field, allow Roquan Smith uh, to be able to come in and make those plays in the backfield, tackles for a loss, allow him to be able to continue to play in his gap, uh, when the runs start moving along the line, uh, then I think that just sets him up to have a much better day. So I think uh, for Roquan to have a good day, Eddie Goldman's going to have to have a good day, uh, and shutting down the running game is going to be a big part in it, and Eddie Goldman, for that reason, is my X factor. All right. Time to find out who has the edge. Nick, you're up first, just like we were for offense. Bears secondary, Vikings passing attack. Oh, man, that's another good one. I get all the tough ones this week. And it could go either way. It really could go either way in both of the, the ones I get, but I'm going <sighs> to... I'll give it to the Bears secondary just because, again, I think that this pass rush is going to find a way despite them throwing the ball quick and on those short intermediate passes. I think the secondary is just going to make those tackles as it come up and play up, play that press coverage. So I'll give it to the Bears secondary by a smidge. This is this is a very tough matchup. You're going against two of the better receivers in the league. Kirk Cousins has been playing some good football, but so have the Bears in that you know top five defense. So I'll give it to the Bears secondary. I like it. Smidge. That's a word that we need to use more on the podcast. <laughs> smidge. Just a smidge. All right. So for me, I have the Bears run defense versus the Vikings ground game. And honestly, I got to give it to the Bears run defense here. They have not given us many reasons to doubt them this season outside of a game or two. Now, obviously, it's going to be a big test this week with Cook and Murray, but I trust our guys to take care of business, limit their impact. And with the inconsistency with the Vikings offensive line, it's only going to bode well in our favor. Um, but like I mentioned earlier, uh, the big kind of deal breaker here would be the ability to corral them or not in space, uh, in particular Cook, because if you allow him to get in open space and he missed a tackle or two, his speed's lethal. It just takes one missed tackle for Dalvin Cook to change an entire game. So wrapping him up is going to be a huge key for me. But still, regardless, I'm going to give the – Edge here to the Bears run defense, which means, Brandon, we're over to you. Bears pass rush, Vikings pass bro. I've got a, a gut feeling that we see the big three really show up in this one. Leonard Floyd, Aaron Lynch, and that other guy, Cleo Mack. I mean, I think I think all three of these guys, like, I just have a very, very gut feeling that they're all just going to show up on Sunday night. Uh, the closer we get to, to game time, just the better I feel about this matchup. We talked about how the, the Vikings offensive line, they've kind of had some struggles. A lot of guys rotating in and out. And I'm trying to keep my my excitement, you know, to a, 
a minimum right now because it's still only Thursday. Uh, but uh, this is just a great chance for the Bears to show their potential and really create some trouble in a quick collapsing pocket for uh, for Kirk Cousins. So I, I have to take the Bears pass rush in this one. All right. Is that a broom? Is that a sweep? That is a clean sweep on defense. Nice. All right, quickly, guys, special teams. Are we all going to say the same thing, that Cody Park, he was kicking field goals at Soldier Field on Wednesday night, and there's a helicopter that went out to watch him? Is that it? I When I was on with, with Justin last night, who was on our show Tuesday, uh, I was on a different podcast with him last night. He says he hopes it doesn't come down to either kicker having to kick games in this one uh, because he's not confident in Dan Bailey either. So just to really put it in perspective, if it comes down to kicking, it might be a 0-0 game. that's bad that's really really bad but yeah this is a game where the kicking game is not one where you want to you know see on the field and resort to field goals that's not what you want from either one of these offenses obviously your special teams units so yeah again but we need to see Cody Parkey hit one we need to see it just moving forward hopefully it's a, a shorter field goal you know, so he has more of a chance to make it. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, Sunday night, Cody Parkey has to kick a field goal to send it to overtime or to win the game or to tie the game. I'm not feeling too confident about that at all. It's like that Simpsons Jeff for GIF what are all pulling our collar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, he hit four. Oh, you meant field goals. He didn't mean uprights. Yeah, I meant. Yep. That's exactly what I meant. Uh, sorry. I thought that was a new game. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and begin our weekly predictions, and per usual, let's go ahead and begin with our Week 11 Bold Predictions. Brandon, uh, I think last time I said this, you did, so uh, blow my socks off. Bold prediction for this week, uh, since we just had our quick hit on special teams, I'll make this one a little bit quicker. Uh, The special teams actually makes an impact in a positive way in this one, and it's going to be responsible for two field goals from 45-plus yards and a punt return uh, from three cone for a touchdown. It would have been bold before the Tariq Cohen touchdown, um, but I do appreciate the the extra, oh. you know, emerald. Bam. Had to try and throw yeah. something in there, keep the optimism there, but no, that's good. I like it. I like it a lot. What about you, Nick? Pretty sure the last time the Bears played in a primetime game against the Minnesota Vikings, Leonard Floyd had a safety in that game. I'm going with that. Leonard Floyd, who has been emerging the past couple of weeks, is going to get a safety on Sunday Night Football. I like that as well. For me, my Week 11 bold prediction, three Bears wide receivers are going to score touchdowns. Anthony Miller, Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel. And remember, no wide receiver has scored a touchdown on the Vikings secondary since Week 4. I have the Bears getting three from three different players on Sunday night, so I think that's pretty damn bold as well. Josh Bellamy, you get, uh, you know? No, Seven Taylor one. Gabriel? no I'm, I'm, not go- I'm, I'm not doing the impossible, guys. <laughs> Very now, true. Now, he's, now he's going to be one of the three, and you're like, well, you should have said it. Yeah, should have said it. All right, MVB time. Uh, let's go back to Nick. Ooh, MVB. Uh, I guess you know my X factor in defense was Roquan Smith, so my MVB is going to be Khalil Mack. So completely opposite. <laughs> there. Not even going that way. I think again, this is what you brought Khalil Mack in here to do, and he only needs about two plays to really change an entire game. We talked about Kirk Cousins if he's able to hold the ball a little bit longer. That's going to resort to bad things happening. And I think Khalil Mack, he just has an act for getting the ball out of quarterback's hands. This is a perfect opportunity. If Kirk Cousins is able to stand there just a little bit longer, Khalil Mack will find a way to make some things happen and give this defense an opportunity to score or give the op- the offense good field position. So Khalil Mack was going to be my MVP. I like that as well. Uh, the Bears have been phenomenal scoring points off of turnovers. So that would go a long way towards a Bears victory. 
Uh, Brandon, how about you? We talked about Bryce Callahan having his hands full going up against Adam Thielen in this one. I don't know if you guys watched the mic'd up uh, where Eddie Jackson was mic'd up. He's talking to Bryce Callahan on the sideline. Oh, man, you know, I, tri- I tripped you up on the sideline there when you had that interception because you haven't, haven't had a pick six since high school. <laughs> uh, I think this could be an opportunity for him to get that one. I, we know Adam Thielen's going to be a guy that Kirk Cousin relies on. We've seen it in the past, and I, you know, I think Bryce Callahan is able to, to come up to this challenge. So I think that Bryce Callahan is going to deserve this one. All right. I like that as well. Um, for me, you guys went both on defense, and I feel like if the Bears are going to win this game, we need someone on offense to stand up, stand out, and make their impact. And you know who that's going to be? Number 10. I mean, it's the easy one, but so is number uh, 52 over there, Nick. Uh, so for me, I'm going to give it to Mitchell Trubisky. I think this is the game where if he plays like he did against Detroit to the same sort of effectiveness, even if it's slightly below that standard. I mean, he had 158.3 pass rating at halftime. I mean, that's a very high standard to kind of live up to. But if he can still find a way to be as effective as he was last week um, against this Minnesota Vikings secondary that is much more formidable on primetime against the Vikings for the NFC North lead, that's huge. And I think this is a game where he steps up uh, Matt Nagy's going to get him a perfect game plan to kind of follow. And when it all said and done, we're going to be looking and give it another consensus uh, pick like we did last week and giving it to Trubisky for yet another great performance because uh, looking at this offense, no matter which week, we ride or die by number 10. That's a given. I mean, every week it seems like a defense has found a way to take away one of our playmakers. And we find ways to beat that, and it all comes back to Trubisky. So for me, he's going to end up being our MVP this week. All right, guys, it's time to predict the final score. And real quick, just to get the standings, I'm at six and three in the bottom. Brandon and Nick are at seven and two. Um, I'm so proud of my six and three. I really don't care. Um, but let's go to Nick first because I'm very curious to where he's seeing this game. Kind of uh, how it's going to play out. Yeah, this is going to be a close game, but I do have the Bears winning at home on Sunday night, twenty-eight to twenty. And the word that Minnesota Vikings fans are going to say. And this is an actual word is oofta. You say that it's a Minnesota word where you say it out of frustration. I feel like that's going to happen a lot on Sunday night. So if you, ever, you see oofta anywhere on Twitter or if you somehow hear it wherever you're at, I, I doubt you would. Um, that's usually a good thing, especially <laughs> because the Bears are probably doing good things. So oofta. Remember that one. Twenty eight, twenty Bears. I'm positive we have listeners in Minnesota. Oh, yeah. I was going to say. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll know. They'll know exactly what it is. Uh, real quickly, number two, I know your girlfriend lives in Minnesota. Did she teach you about UFTA? She did teach me about UFTA. And I actually had to text her earlier today. To, like, what is exactly UFTA? When do you say this? She's like, out of frustration. I'm like, UFTA. I hope you guys are saying UFTA. On <laughs> Wait, is she a Vikings fan? She is a Vikings fan. So. Jeez. Yeah. A, yeah. <laughs> the more you'll know. Ouch. <laughs> My ex-girlfriend was a Packers fan. Isn't that weird? Well, I was going to say, <laughs> next up is the Lions, but I'm not wishing any ill will on the current relationship. You guys have been going for uh, quite some Thank time. You. All right, Brandon. Uh, <laughs> final score, uh, an oofta, just about that whole conversation there. <laughs> yes, very much oofta about that whole conversation. I'm not even sure how to follow that up. Uh, I have this uh, Bears 27, Vikings 24. I think it's just going to be really close. I really respect what the Vikings have, especially in the skill possessions. So really winning it in the trenches, and I think it's going to be a little bit closer than we're anticipating. I have a 27-24 Bears. All right. I have it a little bit closer. Actually, I think it might be the same. You said what, 27-24? Three-point difference, yes. Yeah, I have a 23-20, so I guess it's the same. I have the Bears winning 23-20. to 
Um, if you're looking at 23 and thinking like that's a weird score, we can thank Cody Parkey for that in advance. Um, so we're seeing some <laughs> weird scores going on here. But I have the Bears, like you said. It's going to be a very close game. We're at home. This is a big statement win or loss, regardless. No matter what the outcome is, people are going to run with it. And unless it's a very close game where the Bears barely were uh, on the wrong side of things, but if the Bears lose this game, anticipate the national media to go on attack. If the Bears win, I'd anticipate them embracing them. But for me, um, after everything I've seen this year, I've never once thought this Bears team was going to shy away from a challenge. They proved tough against New England. Uh, the only letdown was Miami, really, this whole season. I don't anticipate them remotely uh, going to try to find a way to replicate that against the Vikings. I think they know what's at stake here. Uh, they're a prideful unit, and I anticipate the Bears finding a way to get it done on primetime, 23-20, um, which means all we need to do is hand out our confidence meter and our final thoughts before the game, and Brandon, I'm going to go ahead and let you lead off. Since I voted on the poll, uh, about five to six range for the conference meter, I'm going to stick at the six. Uh, just because, I, like I said, the skill positions for both sides are very evenly matched. It's going to really be a, a chess match, and I think that Matt Nagy is definitely up for the challenge. Uh, I like the quote that I think it was Zimmer that said this week, he goes, Matt Nagy's got about 800 plays per game dialed up. Nagy goes more, it's... Now nah, it's more like 750. Uh, <laughs> but regardless, it's I think that's uh, just going to be a very good chess match between these coaches and these players. And it's going to come down to execution, I guess, as it does for every game. Uh, but just how well can the Bears be aggressive early, step on that pedal, keep the pressure on Minnesota? I think that's really going to play a very big part in it. And as long as uh, they can continue to execute down the stretch, maybe get a run game established, uh, then they should be able to, to walk away with this one. But we'll find out on Sunday night. Yes, we will. What about you, Nick? How confident are you heading into this big, big, large, huge, monstrous game? Monumental, all these synonyms for this huge game, and it really is. This is the perfect opportunity for the Bears to win on primetime to show that they are legit, and we know they are, but for everybody else to know it. So, and I was just thinking about this. Was I going to give it a six, a seven? No, I think they have to win this one because it's so crucial to what they want to do moving forward. I'm going to give it a nine. They're winning this game one way or another. It's just going to be close. That's the thing. It's going to be a close game, but they're going to win it. They're going to win on Sunday night. I like that a lot. Not, even, <laughs> not a full-blown explanation. You're just like, you know what? I'm confident this is a good team. Enough said. Exactly. I mean, look, the Bears are a good team. That's the thing. The Bears are a good team, too. That's what people just maybe some don't realize. They have the roster. They have the coach. They have the quarterback. They're a good team, and that's why they're going to win on Sunday. Excellent stuff, Nick. I'm at an 8. I'm not at the 9 level, but I'm at an 8, which I think heading this game is rather uh, high, especially if you look at the poll here. We had 5% out of 1 to 4, 31%, which is in the Brandon range at the 5 to 6, 48% where I'm at, the 7 to 8, and then only 16% of Bears fans are at the 9 to 10 range. So obviously, which I'm, I'm glad to see that a little bit, though, because if everyone's at a 10, then it's a little bit bonk, you know, bogus. Um, but the fact that we're the reasonable expectations, we're all kind of in different spots, um, speaks volumes of where uh, this team is at, because uh, some people are believers, some people aren't. And, uh, you know, there's some people in the middle. And Brandon, I'm not saying you're not a believer. I know this is a very touch game, a tough game. Um, yes. And there's just battles all the way around. Like we said, this is a challenging game, no matter which way uh, you want to kind of look at it. Um, but for me, I'm sitting here at an eight. Um, big reason, again, points off turnovers, barely the NFL. 89 points off of turnovers, four defensive touchdowns, seven offensive touchdowns afterwards, and four field goals. Uh, big primetime game. Very important. 
um, for the Bears to prove their relevancy, not just in the NFC North, not just the NFC, but the entire NFL to put uh, the league on notice. Like we're here in 2018 is a year that we're not messing around and we're coming at you hard. So I'm very excited. I know you as a Bears fan should be too, because um, a game this week, even if it's close, and again, I, I think we're at a point where as Bears fans, close doesn't cut it anymore. Um, close doesn't win you ball games. Close doesn't help your postseason chances. Um, but still, this is a very fun team. It's going to be a very exciting game to watch. And I think this challenge is going to tell a lot about our team. And honestly, I have full faith that it's going to tell a lot of positives about what this team does in terms of the attitude they embody, um, how they're able to rise to certain challenges. So for me, Honestly, just have faith in this team, guys. Really do because uh, we've been saying it in years past. You know, be patient, be patient. I don't think you need to be patient anymore. I think you just need to be accepting of the team that's right in front of you because, like Nick said, they're a very good football team, and it's about time we enjoy Chicago Bears football again. And if you're at six and three and you're still not finding yourself enjoying Bears football, then I feel sorry for you. Um, just find a way to do it because it's a lot of fun to get behind this team. A lot of great guys on both sides of the ball, uh, coaching staff as well. Very. Uh, fun time to be a Bears fan of that. But again, eight, and I'm very excited to see what the Bears can do in prime time. And on top of that, guys, I'm excited for another late night edition of the post game show. It's going to be like midnight my time, but I don't care. And they're wearing their orange jerseys. The last time they wore them, I know. obviously didn't go out that way, but it's a great looking jersey. <laughs> a great looking jersey. So hopefully they can change the script on, on that. Hopefully I was excited so. about the jerseys until Miami. <laughs> until Miami. <laughs> That was a great, again, like I said, when we were there, it was a fun game to watch regardless of the outcome. Yes. So many ups and downs, and that's probably what's going to happen on Sunday, too. So mm -hmm. hopefully I really anticipate the same kind of game. Yeah, same kind of game. Hopefully, we're just on the other end of it this time. And that would prove... We will be. We will be. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say Mr. Nine. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think if we're on uh, the right side of things in the same kind of game, it would prove a lot of the growth this team has made over the last month coming full circle. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. I want to thank you for tuning into our weekly game preview. We really do appreciate it. Make sure to give this video a thumbs up and subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't yet. I think we're nearing 4,500 subscribers, which is a phenomenal number. I really do appreciate everyone who has subscribed to our channel already. And if you do, um, the bonus of doing it is you get a notification each and every time we go live. That way you never miss a show. And if you're one of our thousands of podcast listeners worldwide, uh, make sure to rate our show on iTunes and Apple Podcasts if you haven't yet to show your appreciation for all of the efforts that we put in week in, week out, all year long. Now, up next, Will Ingalls is going to take a hard look into those five matchups of the week. And, of course, I'll follow that by handing out my Week 11 keys to the game. But until then, get excited. Sunday Night Football, prime time. Let's go. And, of course, bear down, Chicago. Bear down, Chicago bear. Bear down, Chicago bear.